Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living with me, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Dr. Constant Vincent. Um, We're going to be looking at Alzheimer's and cancer and your health. And we're going to be asking you to stand up and take accountability for your health. No more whining, no more moaning, no more giving in to whatever disease may tap you on the shoulder, but to stand up, turn around and look at it and say, I ain't going without a fight. Uh, Dr. Constance has uh, written a couple of beautiful books on Alzheimer's and cancer, and we're going to be talking about the books today, but the, the journey that led to them. She is an author, a psychiatrist. Um, the books are not going gently, and uh, uh, her courageous fight against Alzheimer's for her mother and herself. She's also um, an engrossing storyteller and delivers medical facts with significant weight and without the dryness. Um, I'm sorry, I'm reading, we, we normally do is do a pre-interview before we get into an interview, and I normally know all of this stuff before we get in there, but you know, we wanted to dive right into the show today, not waste any time, and, and get you out there actually understanding what you can do to take charge of your own health. Alzheimer's is at an all-time high. It's ridiculous how high it is, and why are we seeing such an epidemic of it? Cancer seems to be like a common cold uh, nowadays, and there's so much stuff we can do to prevent it, and also if we do get it, what we can do about it without it being a death sentence. Both of these things are something that can completely take away our lives and there are, we have empowerment, we can do things about it and uh, you know Dr. Constance has definitely found her way. Um, she's um, a psychiatrist, um, psychologist. psychologist, sorry, psychologist, um, definitely studied in a whole medical field has come from that area where she's literally knows everything that is going on um but knew that there had to be something else other than just what was what she had been taught there has to be something else that we can do in order to uh, extend our lives so without me rambling on anymore let's get to the nitty-gritty what is her story how did it lead to this what can we do to empower our own health and kind of nip that cancer and that old timers in the bud or if it does raise its ugly head win over it so welcome to the show dr constance thank you very much sarah i'm glad to be here now we're diving right into this and uh, because we want to make sure we get this message out it's a message that people really need to know um but you you're coming from a, you know a background of psychology and, you know, things are kind of really looked at in a, a, in a very clinical way in many, many ways, aren't they? Um, where it seems to be your life experiences have actually taken you to think outside the box and embrace in you know, all those options that are around us. Yes, they, they certainly have. They've, they've kind of forced me into that, really. I'm, I'm an academic psychologist, not a clinician. And my field has been a, a developmental psychology. And in, in that, I have always focused on normal stages of development, from childhood all the way through to aging. And disease was not something that entered my mind. So it, it came to me from the outside. So I've, I've had to deal with it in, with the people that I love uh, in their situation and trying to help them and I think that what I've learned is, is very useful and is very helpful to other people as well. There are actually two different stories, two different books. 
uh, the first story about cancer affected my husband, and that book uh, I edited. I'm not the author of the book on cancer. That particular author is my husband's uh, the nutrition doctor who actually cured him with uh, the technique that he gave us, and uh, that's one story. So I'm, I edited that because the book was originally written in Mandarin Chinese and sold so many copies, and we had so many requests for people asking us to give them the information that Dr. Wu had given to my husband, Ed, that um, after, after a few years, I got Dr. Wu to write the book in English, and I edited it. And so it's, it's quite a long book, and that's one story. The other story, which occurred uh, just a few years after that, my mother was having signs of, of mild cognitive impairment, and my father had already died with uh, vascular dementia, and I was hoping to save my mother from going down that same path. So I delved into the Alzheimer's research. So these two have something very much in common, as you pointed out, Sarah. They're both about taking charge of your own life, taking charge of your own health, being proactive, and and focusing on prevention rather than turning ourselves over to a doctor when it's, you know, we've already got some disease and asking for a cure because that's uh, the much harder route to go, frankly. Exactly. Yes, it's, it, we should be looking at wellness and not sickness. Exactly. I, and how to maintain our, our wellness. Um, I, let's go back to, to the Dr. Wu's book, because um, I was married to a Chinese gentleman for 20 years, and I know the power um, of Chinese medicine, and it's really quite incredible. And um, you, know the, you know the way they can just take your pulse and look at your tongue, and they know what's wrong with you. I mean, there's so many beautiful techniques that are thousands of years old that they know. Um, you know, maybe you could share with us, you know, s- uh, some of those techniques. What kind of cancer did your husband have, and, and what were the kind of techniques that they were um, promoting you do? All right. Well, my husband was diagnosed in uh, 2003, 12 years ago, with third-stage lung cancer. Um, it's kind of a fluke that the doctor caught it. Uh, he was there for something else and mentioned a light cough, and she said, well, go downstairs and have a chest X-ray, and they found it cancer. So my husband and I had already been very interested in alternative health. We had already started reading that. We were getting newsletters from about three different alternative health doctors. And so we were very, very interested in what we could do ourselves to combat this cancer. Now, he did have surgery. He had the upper right lobe removed. And his his, uh, oncologist, as well as the surgeon, strongly recommended in fact, really said he should, had to have um, simultaneous chemo, concurrent chemo and radiation therapy for several months because the blood source goes through the lungs and the cancer could travel somewhere else in the body since the surgeon had not been able to remove it all. My husband refused. He was very brave. He was very strong, and he said no. If he only had a few months, he, he did not want to be pouring poisons into his body. He wanted to do what he could to build up his own immune system. And we had already found out about a couple of things that we thought might be very helpful, a couple of uh, concoctions. One is called PolyMBA, and that's available on the Internet. And the other one was, um, uh, it was at that time called 
uh, MGI, I think, but now it's called IMM Power, Immune Power. It's a mushroom-based thing. So we had ordered these and started. he started taking them right away according to the directions. But Ed thought he should really find out if these things were uh, contradicting each other in any way. In other words, he felt he needed to find a good nutritionist. So he looked for one, I looked for one, and um, we we both found one. We interviewed them both on the same day, but we picked Dr. Wu, Dr. Tom Wu, and it's W-U. Um, Dr. Wu himself has such an interesting history. He had been a medical doctor in France when he came down in his early 30s with lung cancer, which his doctors told him was going to be terminal in a few months. And he rejected that diagnosis and remembered his Chinese grandfather who was very big on raw foods. And so Dr. Wu started himself on a raw food diet. And um, the rest just kind of fell into place. He obviously lived. He's, in, he's about 76 right now. And he refined his technique over the years. He stopped conventional Western medicine dropped out of that and got degrees in naturopathy and natural medicine. He has several doctorates. And so he kept refining what he was doing, and he was going around and giving lectures, um, teaching people, students and doctors in different parts of the world, principally in Asia. And he won a lot of awards, has been recognized by heads of states, kings, and so on, or the, the help that he's given to these people. And finally, in 2008, he, he wrote his technique into a book in, in Mandarin. And it sold over a million copies in the Far East, principally Taiwan and China, in a very short period of time, six months or so. And it was then translated into Japanese, Korean, and, and Thai. But we never had an English copy. Now, that was 2008. That was already five years after my husband had been following Dr. Wu's program. And Dr. Wu is a medical intuitive. So you mentioned about doctors that could use the wrist and so on, feeling mm -hmm. the different levels of the pulse. They do that in India as well. Um, he doesn't do that. He, look, he can look at the left foot and see the energy there and do his diagnosis from that. In fact... Uh, he's, he's studied a lot of Qigong, and he's so good at doing this that doctors in our area would call him to the hospital f to help in diagnosis when they had a particularly difficult case. So that shows you his reputation. Mm -hmm. So he, he looked at Ed's left foot, and he knew that he had lung cancer, and he, in our initial interview with him in 2003, gave Ed a prescription. He he told him what kind of a blender to get, how to make a smoothie that would be particularly good for lung cancer, told him that for the next six months he had to stay on raw foods, drinking the smoothie so many times a day, and uh, that he could have maybe a little salad, a few nuts, uh, a few raw carrots, but that was it. And his idea was that in six months the body's cells would change over and the uh, immune system would be able to uh, cure the cancer naturally, which is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So I have all of this is detailed in the blogs on my website. 
I actually wrote a, an article about it a couple of years after after Ed started this program, and it, it was in a magazine, but that magazine is not in print any longer. So when I started my website, I took the article and expanded it and put it into blogs. So it's all detailed, the, the uh, information about the recipe for the smoothie and the kind of blender and all of the rest of the information that Dr. Wu gives. So for a number of years after this, our friends knew about this, every time somebody knew someone with cancer, they would call us and ask us if we'd give them the recipe, if it would talk to them, give them the hints, tell them what to do, and so on. And we must have done this, I don't know how many times, Ed and I. And particularly he, he was very patient, very helpful with all these people. And uh, finally, I asked Dr. Wu, would he please get this book translated into <laughs> English for me? And because I thought so many people were waiting for it and asking for this and wanted to read it in English. And he did, and I did. I edited it, and it actually came out really just one month later than my book did. And Dr. Wu's book is called Dr. Tom Wu's Different Approach Natural Healing. And the subtitle is Conquer Cancer and Other Diseases with Simple Foods. And in it, he explains how we have in our bodies the best doctor that there is, and that is our own natural immune system, that we have to know how to treat it and what to give it, and the correct foods and the correct methods and so on. And um, he's given in his book a number of case studies large number of testimonials of people that he has helped. He's given specific recipes for about 24 different types of illnesses or conditions. And he covers things from like autism, high blood pressure. It's not just serious diseases, but even uh, other things like maybe weight loss or, or skin problems. He's covered in that book. So it's, I don't know what else I can tell you about it. It's a big book. It's on Amazon in the print uh, print version, and it's also available just for the past week. It just came out in Kindle, and so it's it's being sold around the world again. I mean, there's and always a there's always an answer. This is the thing. Is um, you know, what kind of gets me is that we talk about Chinese and and Indian and other medicine. Um, other medicines as being alternative, but let's face it, they were around thousands of years before yes, Western medicine. Yeah, I mean, really, when you're looking at Western medicine, is the alternative. And you know, yes. you know, I saw a video yesterday of where they can actually now 3D blueprint uh, limbs that they can make work for people. So it's so much more cost effective for people who have lost limbs. And when you look at these type of things and heart transplants and all of this type of stuff, it's it's absolutely incredible what Western medicine does. But when it comes to keeping you well, you know, they've still got so far behind. And when you keep seeing these uh, commercials, depression kills, take this pill, but the side effect may cause suicide. You know, yes, it's, exactly. you know, it's just mind-boggling. And it's like, uh, unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's one thing the Western medicine hasn't got yet. They don't know how to prevent the illness. And in keeping you well, they know how to fix you when it comes to 
you know, organs and limbs and, and various other things, but they just don't know how to keep you well. And an awful lot of that, and as a psychologist, I'm sure you'll speak to this, is our mindset, isn't it? Is our approach to our own health and our own lives. Yes, yes, indeed. I think we've turned ourselves over so much to the authorities. We want, uh, we want somebody else to come in and do these things for us. And Western medicine, I agree, is absolutely wonderful for everything that's more or less mechanical. Yeah. Fixing a broken limb or a surgery when that's required. I mean, there's no substitute for it. They're very, very good at these things. But in terms of the, what, well, the preventive and actually even healing things that are more uh, systemic diseases and so on, I have so many friends who have had or uh, are still have cancer. So many people who have gone through chemotherapy and radiation, and if I tell them about this diet and they ask their doctors about it, the doctors say, oh, no, mm-hmm. you can't do that while you're on this diet because we're interested in killing all these things, and we don't want you to be putting in all this these alkaline things. Uh, you know, we're trying to build up all this pH acid in your body to kill this cancer, so... Don't give it all this healthy stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 almost. I mean, it's just it boggles my mind. And even in our own family, those who have had cancer, they know Ed's Ed's progress, the, the tremendous uh, results that he's had. But it, it does. It t- takes a lot. It takes a commitment. It takes purpose. It takes discipline. I mean, for this is a man who loved his morning coffee. He loved his afternoon glass of wine. He liked the foods that he was eating, but he also liked to live. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, the six months that he went on the strenuous part of that diet were nothing compared to the 12 years of wonderful health he's had since. Exactly. And it, this is not a, it's not a trade-off we should even have to think twice about, you know. He still is drinking these smoothies, by the way, Sarah. He has one. Uh, he makes it every morning. He has one for breakfast and one with his lunch. What, what's and, in the smoothie? We'd like to share a recipe. Um, on his particular smoothie, well, uh, I don't have it right in front of me because he switched it now. He's not drinking the one for lung cancer any longer. He's drinking the one. Uh, he's drinking one to strengthen his kidneys because he's twelve years older, and that's his, so. He, this is also in the book. Let me see if I can pull up one of these right away for you. Um, Every smoothie, every smoothie that Dr. Wu recommends has uh, is the three principal ingredients of tomatoes, carrots, and beets. Well, and because yeah. each one of these uh, three vegetables um, applies to a particular system within the body. Yeah, uh, beets for, example, for liver, for sure. carrots for, heart, for eyes and, and heart, and the tomato is an antioxidant. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. So here, I've just opened the book to one page. Um, this is a smoothie to maintain good health because there's not, I don't really need to give you one for a particular disease since we don't know what your listeners have. But this is for maintenance. And he recommends uh, six cups of this a day, two cups for breakfast and a cup an hour before lunch and two cups, two cups in the afternoon and one cup an hour after, before dinner. Sounds like a lot. People, you don't all need to do that. You know, as I said, Ed is now drinking four cups a day. He has two in the morning, 
and two at lunch, and I have a couple with him. So we, we split up our six cups that way and don't have any later on. Not up to me to second-guess Dr. Wu, but I'm just telling you because otherwise people will get turned off and say, I can't keep drinking this all day long. And uh, can for if you want to live, right? If you want to live, you can. But um, this this particular recipe, he says the effects are to balance sugar, balance blood pressure, reduce muscle pain, strengthen the functions of the heart and the pancreas, purify the liver, clear the mind, and increase immunity. And the ingredients are the following. Vegetables, two tomatoes, one carrot, one medium-sized red beetroot, and one handful of baby spinach. Spices, it includes... I won't give it in, in numbers, but ginger, cilantro or parsley, ground cinnamon or cumin, and sea salt. Seeds has flax seeds and sesame seeds. Fruits, um, apple, pineapple or, or kiwi, lime, and some berries or any kind of grapes with seeds. Uh, and then he has supplements that he recommends. He gives the methods. He gives the, the tips. And he shows you also how to use full reflexology, how to uh, massage specific areas of your feet for different illnesses. So um, there's there's so much going on in this. His, his um, first part of the book, he talks about the phyto- phytochemicals. I mentioned, for example, using the seeds as well. And he says that we throw away the stems and the seeds and the skin. Some of these parts of the fruits have more phytochemicals and we're wasting the best part actually by peeling everything. Now we have to peel a kiwi or a pineapple certainly, but yeah. other things he says to use it all. So Ed and I did a um, we did a, a YouTube video a few months ago that shows how we in a half an hour once a week prepare all the ingredients for the smoothies that Ed's going to be drinking every day during the week. And we we put these cleaned and prepared uh, uh, ingredients into separate containers, one for each day. So in the morning, he just pulls it out of the refrigerator, drops it into the blender, adds the liquid and the other things, and um, he's got his day's worth. So it's it's a very simple process. Right. On, on YouTube, it's... Um, uh, it's doctor. okay. I have it on the posting so people can uh, see doctor. it right there. Um, okay. I, and, you know, I'm a big, I love juicing. You know, I think juicing is, it's just like when you drink something that you've juiced, all those, and I love the combination of beets and ginger, and I use an apple and a carrot and uh, maybe a pear or maybe watermelon and just blend all of that together. Um, and it's like nectar. There is nothing else that tastes as good as you know drinking that um and you know you're getting such concentrated goodness that's going in the system and it really does fortify i mean why do our bodies break down they break down because we are not replenishing them we're not you you know so many people die of malnutrition today because they're not getting the right nutrients in the body um and, and you know and it's it's also you know you talked about him being an intuitive and and using the energy and we're all capable of energy healing um physical mental but um just done a, a wonderful interview with somebody who teaches uh, quantum touch and how to actually heal your body because a lot of the problem within the body is block chi blocked energy and if we open up to that and allow that energy to flow within our body 
um, and put the right nutrition in there, that's two parts to our health. The third part to our health would most certainly be um, our mental approach to life. You know, how do we deal with stress? How do we deal with the ups and downs of life? Do we give in? Do we give up? Do we fight it? Do we go with the flow? You know, all of that mindset, which I yeah. think has a huge, I mean, probably even number one key factor to do with health. And that, of course, then takes us into the old timers where you start losing the, kind of that mindset. It takes you off somewhere altogether. So let's just approach the mindset as opposed to our health, and then how we lose that in the old timers. All right, let's let's go on to that. But, but may I make one suggestion? And in, in Doctor Wu's uh, theories, he's he's not in favor of the juicing per se because it's extracting the liquid from everything. He's he's in favor of using the entire the entire tomato, the entire right. whatever. And then just um, blending it's it. It's not going to taste as good as juicing does, <laughs> but it is. He says that that's where all the phytochemicals are. So I, I just wanted to mention that yeah. for the people. And, and also to, for people to understand, you have to do this organic. Otherwise, all you're doing is putting chemicals back in your body. Yes, yes. As we buy everything organic as much as we can, and, and we wash everything, too, before we put it into our ingredients. Okay, but to go on now with the Alzheimer's, well... You know the the mental yes, the, the mental is so important. And the um, how do we start with this? The, the the thing with Alzheimer's, I think, is that it shook me up the most was when I discovered that the ravages in the brain start two or more decades before the first symptoms appear, and that that is. That's just really an incredible kind of thing. So when somebody somebody that you know already has some early signs of memory loss or confusion and in directions and, and things like that, it's possible that they are have been building up to getting dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, could you, could you just actually um, explain what dementia versus Alzheimer's is? Because I know there's a lot of confusion over that before we All go right. any further. Yeah, dementia is the umbrella term, which means any kind of cognitive impairment that interferes with some aspect of your life and your normal living. And there are all lots of different kinds of dementia. Some of the kinds of dementia are reversible. Some are caused by um, maybe a drug reaction or thyroid problems or similar things like that, some illnesses, and they can be reversed. But there are also a group called irreversible dementias. And in that group, Alzheimer's accounts for the greatest number. It's about 70% of irreversible dementias are Alzheimer's disease. There's also, there are also other diseases. There's the the vascular dementia, which uh, my father had. There's uh, Lewy body dementia. There's... uh, they're different ones. Parkinson's kind of falls over that with a certain stage if it becomes you know, dementia. But these are irreversible. But Alzheimer's is what we're normally talking about because it is the largest category and the most uh, serious. And, in fact, I think that a lot of people just view Alzheimer's the way my mother did. She said, oh, you know, 
it's part of aging. I've seen this happen mm-hmm. before. There's nothing you can do about it. And I think that that's the, the incorrect passive idea that so many people have, that uh, if it happens, it happens, and they don't have a cure. That's true. There's no medicine that stops it. That's true. Uh, there are a couple of medicines that they have that can slow it down for a slight period of time that work in about half of the people. They don't work for everyone. But uh, once it begins, the, you know, it's kind of a downward trajectory. And as the president of the Alzheimer's Association said, if you have Alzheimer's disease, you will die with it. Now, what can we do? One thing is we can set uh, a goal for ourselves when we are, I think, starting in late middle age, that we start on preventive techniques, that we're going to do what we can to help ourselves. And this will be in, in, in many different ways. I'm sorry, I hope you're not hearing that. It's like a call coming through. Um, that we, we can do a number of things for ourselves. And I, I put them into different categories. But let's talk first about prevention. I, I, I see three categories of dealing with Alzheimer's disease when I say we have to fight back. The first one is prevention. That's what the individual does. The second one is planning. That, that involves the whole family. And the third one is protection. That involves society. But let's talk about prevention. Now, the key thing on prevention that we found, that I say we, but I say we, I don't mean I personally, but this is in the literature and I'm summarizing from all the different studies that I've read. The key is exercise. And that is uh, so simple and also part of Dr. Wu's program too. He recommends very strongly exercise every day. So exercise for Alzheimer's is the greatest thing in in preventing the risk of it. In fact, it should, it, the studies are showing that it can prevent about 40% of your, lower your risk of Alzheimer's by 40%. Wow, that's significant. That's a very significant. Mm-hmm. And in many of these cases, uh, these studies, it's not necessarily that you're going to a gym and doing lifting yeah. heavy weights or doing anything really terribly aerobic. Walking half an hour a day, at least five days a week, has a significant impact. And one of the key studies in this that was done by Dr. Kirk Erickson at the University of Pittsburgh showed that the hippocampus, which is the key, the critical memory center in the brain, typically loses 1% a year in with aging. With exercise, we're increasing it 1% a year. Mm. So that means we've got a 2% net difference there. And if we do that year in and year out, we're really helping ourselves to prevent Alzheimer's. There's also some some new information now that exercise helps people who already have uh, some early Alzheimer's because um, it's helping them cognitively, but it's also helping them emotionally. Uh, fight depression and the other things that go with it. It's helping them have that quality, that peace of mind that you were talking about. Um, it reduces stress. So exercise has so many wonderful things connected with it. And, of course, it's been a big part of our cancer-fighting program yes. in our house. 
Let's so just uh, let's just you know concentrate a little bit a bit on the exercises because you know you're now talking about an older generation and as you said going to the gym and lifting weights isn't what you're asking people to do or take aerobics no. but you know you've got wonderful things like tai chi or qigong yeah. which is just their fluid stretching um, um, movements that are really allow the energy the chi to run through the body and uh, it very is very good for the brain it brings in that oxygen and they're all slow moving so if people have any physical pain this is going to be something that's going to help your body and doesn't require too much of you swimming is excellent um, you know, going for a walk with friends and you're having a chat while you're doing it. You're, you're feeling upbeat, you're having a good chat and you're walking. Um, there are so many other little techniques that one can do um, that really what you have to do is not think of what you used to do and start embracing what is possible for you to do long term. That's correct. Yoga is another, another mm-hmm. excellent find. And the relaxation that comes after a yoga uh, practice is is fantastic. It's uh, just you know it's almost like you've been sitting there meditating for a half an hour instead of doing yoga. And there's so, so many uh, different types of yoga now. Again, for an older generation that maybe you know are now getting the arthritis and everything else, um, you know uh, they have chair yoga and they have yoga that's kind of less abrasive or you don't have to get you know I will say if I get down on the ground it's going to take a crane to get me back up. You know, and so there's different types of yoga you can do, uh-huh. and it's it's just understanding that there are so many uh, resources out there now that are catering. Because let's face it, we're the baby boomers, you know, and there's we never been there's never been in the in the, you know in time and space this amount of people over fifty. Um, That's right. And so you know, it's people are having to cater uh, cater to that. And they realize that A, using the mind, and B, using the body is going to keep people younger and healthier. So just wanted to get those exercise tips in there. Um, even if you're hurting, get out there and do something. Find something that's less abrasive. But if you don't use it, you do lose it. So That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, the, uh, the ideal is if we could get our, our aerobic our breathing increased for a little bit of time, you know, that we are exercising hard enough that we're we're uh, breathing a little harder because that's bringing more oxygen into the brain. But if people are not able physically to do that, then any of these other techniques, at least they're moving, and that is that is helping so much. It does so much. There's so many benefits to exercise. We don't even have time to go into it all. Yeah. But we just expect to sit around and watch television, uh, read books, or play games, or whatever we're doing, and not be active, because um, they're, they're, activity is the whole part of life, really. Exactly. There's, you know, we've got um, bodies, and they require movement in order they to They require go. movement, yeah. Now, and it, there's so much that goes into that. So exercise is certainly key. And, uh, the, the second thing that lowers our risk of dementia and Alzheimer's is the proper diet. And uh, I just attended a few months ago a, a seminar at uh, Stanford University near where I live, and they um, they discovered a lot of what they called them. Uh, it was a meta research, a meta study. In other words, they looked at a lot of different kinds of research and uh, a lot of different studies in in uh, diet, and found that overall diet, the proper diet, can lower your risk of Alzheimer's by 20 percent. So here we go again. Now, what is the proper diet? It's very interesting. It's not anything so 
weird or exotic or strange, nothing that we haven't heard of. It's the same diet that lowers your risk for atherosclerosis or heart disease or anything like that. It is a Mediterranean diet, basically. It is a diet that has very little meat in it and mainly a lot of fruits, vegetables, grains, beans, um, some fish, some mm-hmm. chicken perhaps. Excuse me? Uh, legumes and nuts. Yes, and nuts, seeds, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. I, I was uh, listening to a show last night, and there's a new uh, book out. Uh, somebody has a, about the blue group. This is people who, uh, who live much longer. They're, people are starting to live past 100. And who's doing that? The people that are, this is what they're eating. Yeah, in the group, and they're exercising, and they're you know the, the two things that we're talking about. I'm not recommending that we all start living past 100. I don't know how we <laughs> that's, that's work, but clearly you know. But still, the possibility is there. And when, and when, be healthy the, as long as you live. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, one doesn't want to, you know, uh, be crumbling at the end of it. You know, we, you know, it's it's just a nice exit. Thank you. Um, but we want a quality of life, right? And there's nothing worse than exactly. you know. My mum uh, died at 95, but the last five or six years of her life, she was kind of. Well, she was housebound and then became bedbound, and because she didn't use anything, she completely lost it. And uh, you know, she was one that did crossword puzzles virtually up to the last week of her life. But you know, her attitude towards life wasn't very positive, and uh, she was never a physical person. Um, and so, you know, she could have actually had very good health right to up to the end there, but it was her choice to kind of give in, and and not oh. fight that. So. You know, another diet you're talking about, and I do, I've do. i done so many interviews now on people that have gone to the vegan diet, and some do it based on, you know, animal rights, and a lot of people do it now because they're just finding they're so sluggish all the time. You know, they could be young, they could be athletic, and they've gone to the vegan diet uh, because rather like Dr. Wu's thing, there's a lot of raw foods in there, a lot of blending of foods you know, a lot of complementary vegetables and fruits that go together, and they say that the health uh, it has just jumped leaps and bounds. And so we really do need to look at our diet, especially here in North America. I, I agree. And Dr. Wu uh, has one whole chapter in his book that he talks about uh, your diet should match your blood type. Mm-hmm. And Western conventional medicine does not agree with this. But Dr. Wu points out uh, that t- people with type A blood, for example, really don't do well with very much meat at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and should and the team also recommends what type time of day to eat different things. Um, for example, I have type A. He says if I have any meat at all, it should be at lunchtime, not after, not at dinner time, not in the evening. Yes. Um, a type O people can eat more meat. For some reason, it works better for them. Um, but you know, I agree with you. The the less meat we have, it seems the higher our energy is. These other foods are so much more energy producing within the body because meat is hard to digest. It takes a lot of, of energy away from us. Yes. So uh, even if we're not considering animal rights and, and you know, the, the philosophical idea about eating meat, certainly in terms of our health, we're better off to have very little of it. And, and maybe go more to fish. Which yes. um, you know it definitely has you know the omegas and and a lot of other nutrients and uh, f- and kind of fats that we need. Um, yes, 
you know, and that's another thing. We need fat, but we need the right kind of fat. We surely do. The brain actually is only 2% of the body weight, but it consumes about 20% of the glucose and fats and oxygen in the body. So it's it takes up an awful lot just to keep our brains really going. And if we're not giving it what it needs, well, what do we expect? Yeah, we're exactly. Not very good, are we? Exactly. So you know, uh, you know, good, proper, sensible, fatty foods, and of course, nuts are, are great for us in many ways, and they carry, you know, carry a lot of natural oils and things like that. And you know, I think this is, you know, you know, we've named the show. It's your health. Be accountable, and and that's because all of these things are either preventable, or as you say, with Alzheimer's, it could be something that's, you know, um, a, a systemic thing that goes down from generation to generation, but you can certainly ward it off or slow it down, or maybe we don't know. We could prevent it by a complete and utter different diet and exercise and mindset, but we really do have to be accountable for our own health, don't we? I Absolutely. Uh, there's there's a YouTube on television, and I don't remember the man's name. But I don't have it in front of me, but it was an he was an older man. He did a YouTube, and he said that he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which in itself is unusual because only about forty five percent of people are ever told that they have uh, Alzheimer's. The doctors don't tell them because people don't like to hear it and so on. But he had been told he had Alzheimer's, and he was uh, degenerating. He said. And he decided to take matters into his own hands, and he he started his own program of diet and exercise. And he, on YouTube, describes exactly what he eats every day and how he exercises, and he said it is reversing his symptoms. Mm -hmm. He was very lucid, very clear, made a very good case for it. And, And so even if the symptoms have begun, as you said, we can slow it down. We can do... We're still able to do something, but we have to be active. We have to take care of ourselves. Yes. Nobody else can do this for us. No, no one can. I mean, and really, you know, before anybody starts even looking at changing their diet or take, you know, doing that exercise, you know, is you are with your body, with yourself, your entire life. There is no escaping you. Um, no. <laughs> and, you know, and it's your, the quality of your life lays in your hands. Stuff is going to happen to you. And that happens to every human being on this planet. How you deal with that stuff is your mindset. You know, are you going to be woe is me and crippled for the rest of your life? Or are you going to go, shucks, I didn't see that coming. What am I going to do about it? And, you know, the the people I've interviewed that have had the worst things happen to them are living the best lives of their lives now because they came through it. And that's because they were determined to do so rather than giving in. Yes. The fight back attitude. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important, you know, not just accept something and say, "Well, this is too bad for me." You, you, you can still do a lot of things for yourself, and you need to. Um, a third thing that that fits into the mental attitude is enough sleep, and uh, seven hours is the minimum recommended. I don't know if much more of that than seven hours is very helpful, but seven hours is definitely recommended, and the new research is showing that if you lie on your side while you're sleeping, the brain is able to clear out some of the waste that it accumulates. And sleeping on your stomach or your back doesn't allow for that. That's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. A new one. So sleep is very important because, again, this helps mental attitude. Not only does it keep you sharper during the day, but it helps to reduce the amount of 
your stress level, the cortisol in your body, and uh, that that's a very um, uh, dangerous thing to have. When we have more cortisol, of course, we're hurting ourselves in terms of our health. So we need to stay as calm and relaxed. So with the, um, combining all of these things, the exercise, the the diet, the sleep, the, the meditation kind of thing that reduces our stress, um, lowers the cortisol. These are these are all fantastic ideas for anybody. And the the last one that I strongly recommend to prevent Alzheimer's is to learn something new. Yeah. Something that excites you, that gives you a sense of purpose in your life. Doing crossword puzzles, yes, it it pulls up old memories. It pulls up things that you already knew. It's interesting, it's fun, it's a game, but it's not going to help you. What helps you is to grow new neurons because our brains are plastic and we can continue to add new neurons throughout our lives. Even while some may be dying off because of old age, we can add new ones. So find find something that excites you, that interests you, that you've always wanted to learn about. Maybe you've always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. Try it. See, you know, get involved in it. Um, maybe you've always wanted to research diseases, yeah. <laughs> so you get very interested in that, and then you soon find you have file drawers filled with everything, but you're learning, yes. you know, and and it's and if you do this with some passion and some interest, it's exciting, it adds so much more interest, so much more to talk about and think about than, than being a passive consumer of somebody else's information and again it comes down to if you don't use it you lose it you know i'm i'm 60 started this radio station two years ago you know i intend to keep it going for many many years until i just simply can't do it anymore uh, and you know, it's always engaging because i'm always interviewing people you know like yourself who are fascinating or intriguing who are sharing so much so it's always so inspirational and i'm always learning from it and it does keep your mind sharp it keeps you wondering it keeps you asking questions it keeps you engaged in life and you know that's the yeah. thing is is that taking ownership of your life means you've actually got to participate in it and, you know, exactly. stimulate it, excite it, look after it. You know, um, I'm a person who doesn't sleep well because unfortunately when I go to bed, the pain takes over. I do sleep on my side, one side, then the other side, then the back. I seem to rotate, you know, like a rotisserie <laughs> all night long. Um, and I know those days that, I, you know, I have had very bad sleep and the next day it's just literally working in a fog. And so, you know, that sleep is really important. The exercise is really good for the body and getting the whole oxygen running through the body, the blood flow, the chi energy. Uh, eating right is fortifying and fueling your body. And then uh, engaged in something that stimulates you is important. But uh, all of this, everything that blankets all of this is that if you're not in a positive mindset, you're not going to do any of these things and you're just going to have a complete and utter decline. Uh, whether you're, you know, targeted for all timers or not, you're going to be targeted for something unless the something mindset is right. That's yeah. right. We can't be sitting on the sidelines and watching our own life pass us by. No. We have to be out there on the field participating. And one thing we, we did not mention, and perhaps this isn't for everyone, but I think that if we have some some spiritual beliefs, and, and there oh, again, yes. we feed into that. We, you know, maybe it's not the same thing we were taught as a child. But that just because we learned something as a child and later rejected it doesn't mean that we're done with 
experimenting and learning more about spirituality as an adult and finding our own philosophy and our own belief system. And I think that that's something that adds so much richness and, and uh, of comfort to many lives. Yes. We're, we're ignoring it at our own peril. We, you know, we, we, before we did the show, we talked about this, that how many people are kind of waking up to different forms of nutrition and different forms of lifestyle and realizing that it's not running to the doctor and getting another pill that side effects may cause death, um, you know, having something chopped off or chopped out. Um, you know, it's about looking at, you know, what other options are out there? You know, what can I do? What can I investigate? I interviewed a man in his 70s who had been given... Um, told he had preliminary thrombosis, uh, go home and prepare to die. There's no cure. And he'd been through hell through his life, and he'd finally got to a spot in his life where he's happy. And he said, absolutely not going to give up now. This is just not going to happen. And he went on the Internet, and he searched and searched and searched until he found a German doctor with his own um, lab and took his blood and actually found a cure. Now, not only, you know, cured him. I mean, obviously, he's got some residual damage, that's always going to be there but gave him back you know several years of his life and and an ability to go and do things but when he started talking to people about this here is an option it worked for me it could work for you well i don't know i don't mm -hmm. think so i don't think my doctor will and it's like are you mad you've just been yeah. given a death sentence don't you want to fight for your life and, you know, know. and there's so many people that just sit and go, I don't know. And it's like, <gasps> wake up, folks. <laughs> and if you do wake up to the consciousness, you know, let's keep religion out of it. And let's look to faith. When you believe in something, when you believe in a source and a higher energy, when you believe in love and mm -hmm. love of self, love of community, love of life, love of all that's good in the world. You're energizing not only yourself, but everybody around you and everything you participate in. If you can't believe in a faith, believe in love. It will unite and it will ignite. Um, that's but you've got to get participatory in our own life. And that love is really the, the very basis of most of religions, too. Yes. Love one another. Uh, you can't yeah. call it a religion love if yourself. it's based in hate. Love yourself, yeah. too. It, it, you have to. How can you expect someone else to love you if you don't have any love for yourself? They're going to love yeah. you in, in the reflection of yourself. So if yes. you want to be treated well, you've got to start treating yourself well, which means investing in your own health and your own well-being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and to the point about doctors, we had several friends who had lung cancer at the same time that Ed did, and we wanted to, we tried so hard to get them to try his method that Dr. Wu had given him, and they said, oh, my doctor said no. He said that he'll take good care of me. And you know what? They died within a year. Yes. It was sad to see that happening. Yeah. They, had, they had the means there. They yeah. had the information, but they would not try it. So ultimately it comes down to ourselves. We have got to put faith in ourselves that we can we have a lot more ability than we realize and a lot more energy if we will put it out there and use it correctly we've also got to stop treating doctors as gods you know they are, yes. are human beings with some learned information on the medical system if they don't embrace what you call the alternative the optional and bring that in and teach their their you know their clients how to incorporate healthy lifestyle 
um, and stop worrying about having repeat patients to keep them going. And, you know, doctors have got to change their mindset. Uh, I had another couple where um, brother and sister both got cancer at the same time. She went to an old ancient um, Indian formula called Two Feathers and removed 18 tumors from her body. When she took them back to her doctor, he goes, you're cancer free, but I still want to whip off your breasts in case. And then, uh-huh. and he uh, uh-huh. he was part owner of the Lakers and and afforded the best doctors that they could afford, and they killed him, and I'm and sure. and it's uh, because they overradiated him and the and the operations yeah. to get rid of operations and it's like, you know, no, no, not all doctors are bad, um, but if a doctor does not incorporate, uh, uh, educating their patients on, um, you know, on uh, on healthy lifestyle, healthy thought. And stop giving a pill for everything. So mm-hmm. just because your doctor says they've got a drug for it doesn't mean you have to take it. If your no. doctor can't tell you what to do to help you, then go and take responsibility and find somebody that can. For years, my husband had to keep going back to his oncologist every so often, you know, just for checkups to make sure that the cancer wasn't coming back. And she knew that he was doing something different. We had told her, you know, that he was trying this. And she never once wanted to know about it. Mm-hmm. Each time he had to check up, you know what she would say? Well, so far so good. Just like she was surprised, or you know, I'm waiting for things to turn for the. I'm worst. waiting for this yeah. to happen. I yeah. know this cancer's coming back. You know, yeah. so far so good. She said that for about ten years, and then finally, you know, he was he was done. Uh, you know, he'd gone past the point he didn't need to have any more checkups for it. And uh, she never did know. She never wanted to know. So that's a mindset. That's, yes. you know, this is what I've been learned, This what I've been taught, this is what I learned, and don't bother me with other alternatives yeah. here. Exactly, you know. and, and kind of shame on them. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, you don't have to be the expert, but what you should do as a responsibility as a doctor is look to the other people, like the, you know, the naturopaths and the nutritionists and, and exercise people and in your community and know who they are, you know, the ethics of them, the authenticity of them, is it working? And then actually say to your to your patient, I'm prescribing you exercise at this place or I'm prescribing mm-hmm. you diet at this place. And, you know, give that to your patients and stop being like it's, all about you and your unwillingness to learn. Exactly. And, and you know, we have so much, the, as patients, we have so much at our fingertips these days. If we have a computer, and there's yeah. so much we can do just to look up things for ourselves. And we can, there's so much available online. It's, it's incredible. Uh, just ask the questions, and, and you can read all sorts of scientific studies. Many of these are are free online. You don't have to sign up or pay for anything. It's just there, available at our fingertips. So if you want to be playing with the computer, that's that's the way to do it. Use it for, for your education. So d- were you able to help your mom in the end, or was it kind of caught too late? It was caught too late for my mother. Um, I, think, well, I think that we could have helped her, Sarah, except that um, I think that... Um, well, my book describes it. There were a couple of incidents that were dramatic and that they, they really uh, hurt her. She was, first of all, she, uh, my father had set it up that she should live with, with my son, my, my, not my son, excuse me, my brother, uh, who's a medical doctor. And uh, he had insurance for her to have 
visiting angels come in or whatever to help her if she needed that. But a year after he died, my brother put her into an assisted living facility, thinking she would have more socialization there. And it was it was horrible for her. She was away from her family. She was lonely. She felt uh, disoriented. She became depressed. And eventually, one incident happened, and she was found... Um, that she she was dehydrated and kind of delirious because she hadn't had any any attention for two days or more in the oh, wow. heat summer, and so she was immediately brought by high, by paramedics to a rehab center and they stabilized her, and within a few days they gave her tests and decided that she had Alzheimer's, and from there they shipped her into a memory care unit that was locked um, and gave her a roommate. Um, all of these things, I mean, just dropped her right down into serious Alzheimer's. And I objected to this because uh, delirium and dehydration, all of these things can get a false picture of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're testing her at the wrong, put her back in her own place, give her a chance to, to establish herself again. Um, but anyway, I did not have any powers. I did not have the power of attorney. I did not have um, any, anything legal that I could do to change her situation. And so she she went downhill. She went downhill. I think that these... And then the second thing that happened is she had cataracts and, and she had not been given any vision care. And, in fact, at, at one point, uh, the surgery was withheld from her because of her age. And um, I intervened on that, but... It, unfortunately, uh, the surgery didn't take place for another three months, so she sat blind in a wheelchair for several months. And these things, you know, these things exacerbated her condition. So I think we could have helped her, and this is the second part that I talk about in my book, and that is the family planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents need to sit down with all of their adult children and set up an agreement um, that, you know, who's going to take care of the financial part? Who's going to take care of the care part? Who's going to do this? I mean, make it so that it's divided and they need to communicate with each other. There was no communication. These things happened without my being told about them. And and because she doesn't live near me, she lived in Nevada, and I'm here in Northern California. I went to visit her uh, fairly often, but I still couldn't keep up on the day-to-day things. Actually, I did. I am the one who discovered her eye problem in May. I reported it, asked for an eye consultation, and so on. And just before my next visit at the end of August, uh, was told that she um, had been in, placed in a wheelchair because she couldn't see and was falling all the time. And she she stayed that in that condition until November when she finally got the surgery. I mean, this is not so. This kind of care is horrible. Yes. And I think we need to do, and this is the third part after the family planning, is we need to to do so much more in the way we're treating Alzheimer's patients. So much of it is just based on the staff schedule. The staff does this at such a time and this at such a time and so on. Uh, If you're hungry, you you eat when the, it doesn't matter, you eat when the staff says it's their schedule. And uh, we're not giving them adequate stimulation. We're not getting, giving them adequate outdoor time. We're not giving them a purpose. We're not, do, we're not doing all sorts of things. 
My mother was in very nice facilities. They were very clean. The staff was lovely. Uh, it, very patient, pleasant people. I have no complaints about them. But this is the system, This, like the doctors. It is the the system that they're operating under. And just now we're starting to see new ideas coming in. There's a doctor, Bill Thomas, who's making sure that patients have something that they have to take care of. You see, that's giving them that little bit of purpose yes. we talked about, earlier. a plant, a bird. You know, in some places they're allowed to have a pet, um, a garden to help take care of, that they can eat when they're hungry, that they can, you know, they have much more flexibility and, and stimulation. Uh, music in the system is wonderful. And, and uh, when my mother was in memory care, there was uh, the, the activity director was a very good musician, and he played music from her period of time, you know, the, the jazz music, mm-hmm. the big band music, and she loved it. She sang along. She knew the words to all these songs, you know, and they're finding now that more music with headphones in particular stimulates something in the brain, and I've seen videos of people who had never been talking for, for over a year or more, and they started hearing this music, they began to sing, and now they're talking again. So there are new techniques out there that can be used, and we need the research, we need the money for research, we need to improve our quality of care for people. And that is the my final thing, and that's the, the, the pro- protection part. So it's a three-pronged thing, prevention, planning, and protection. And we can't ignore any one of those three if we're going to help these people. Oh, we have to. With the baby boomers, so yes. many more. There's a new diagnosis every every 67 seconds or something. And the I mean, we're just going to overwhelm our system and our and our entire budget in the country with uh, the need for Alzheimer's treatment if we don't wake up and do something. It's not just the United States; it's the whole yeah. world. And the, and the thing is, is, is understanding that, you know, maybe we should all look at our lives as being potential Alzheimer's patients if we don't, you know, interact and prevent now. Um, exactly. You know, and you, you do look at some people in the, you know, the 60s and 70s, their memory is already going. It's not necessary to do with Alzheimer's. It's just they're not doing anything. They're not participating mm-hmm. in life. And so there's nothing to stimulate. Um, you know, you've got... A lot of other cultures, not only do they um, appreciate their elders, they look up to them um, Mm -hmm. and they go to them for advice, but you still see them playing things like Mahjong in in China and, you know, other various games and and they're interactive and we need that. I mean, we're not dead until the body's gone and the body still needs to be in use. The mind still needs to be in use. I did an expose on... on, uh, um, care for the aged and it's it was horrific the way some people are treated and it's almost like you reach a certain age and you're too tiresome for the family to look after especially if it comes to Alzheimer's which is a totally different case and requires more you know participation in the care Uh, they're just thrown away because it's inconvenient where you know where's the society that used to honor the elderly and their contribution you know to the path that the children are walking on so we have to change the way we look at society and stop being so disregarding and uh, understand that it really takes a community. 
uh, family exactly. community or, or in the actual community and that um, you know engage people there was a there's a beautiful video of a woman going into a hospital and uh, she's Jewish and she's singing this Jewish song to this woman who uh, really had gone and you could just see the tears running down this woman's face as oh. the memory of the song comes out and that engagement and that's what she does she just goes around singing to them bringing them back they're, they're so far gone they're never going to come completely back but just that memory of that song and that love and that devotion and you know we really let's understand the human beings are the commodity in this world not the money not the power we are. We're the biggest yes. assets and we need to start taking care of ourselves, our own asset, and start taking care of the people and the communities around us. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that's so well said. We have to do that. Well, would you please let everybody know how they can get hold of the book, Not Going Gently, and also, you know, um, Dr. Wu's book as well, uh, because we want people to be able to look at both of these diseases and uh, take on the good fight and also how they can get hold of you all right well they can get a hold of me on my website it's www.drclvincent.com and that brings them to my website and on my website actually they can order uh, the book uh, not going gently by the way the subtitle on my my book about Alzheimer's the title is Not Going Gently, and the subtitle is A Psychologist Fights Back Against Alzheimer's for Her Mother and Perhaps Herself, because, of course, I have a genetic risk, and I'm, I'm involved in a clinical study. Um, so far, I'm doing just fine, and I expect to continue to doing well because I'm fighting back. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's, um, and now my book is available on Amazon.com under uh, Not Going Gently, or you can put in my name Constance L. Vincent, and it will come up. Actually, if you if you go to Amazon.com, put in my name. I think it brings it brings up both my book and Dr. Wu's book. Yes, it does. Actually, I'm looking at the Amazon.com now, and you know, uh, if you want to give somebody a gift, you know, this is a beautiful gift to give. I mean. Uh, the gift yeah. of, of uh, you know, respect for someone's life, the gift of, of longevity, the gift of investing in themselves. And sometimes people just don't know where to start. They're overwhelmed. When, you know, a great gift will be, you know, give Dr. Wu's book um, along with your book. And I see you've got actually a package here, too, if people buy both. And uh, it's, you know, look after the body and look yeah. after the mind. And yeah. hallelujah, you're going to do okay. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, many people have told me they have bought several copies of it as gifts. Yeah. So it is a good idea. It is a, a, it's, it's better than uh, so many other things that are kind of throwaway gifts. Exactly, know? something purposeful. It's and, you know, it's, it's not even just like knowing somebody with Alzheimer's. I mean, you're talking about the preventative measures. You're talking about the signs. You're talking about how to set the plan in, in place for when somebody has got it. I have a friend who... who um, whose husband is definitely showing signs of the dementia and he's talking about retiring and she's worried because she thinks all he's going to do is just smoke and sit and watch TV and yeah. it's how to get him engaged in something new because he doesn't see it and it's yeah. you know it's how to empower those loved ones into helping those loved ones who just don't see it and uh, the more tools we can share the better that's true I agree with you 
Well, I thank you so much for, for doing this show. It's uh, certainly a very, very important subject. And, um, you know, really our health is up to us, isn't it? I mean, we've really, we've really got to step up. Uh, get it's educated. our one and only life at, at yeah. this time. Absolutely. <laughs> we have to do the best we can to protect it. Exactly, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we need to honor ourselves. We can't expect anyone else to honor us or give a damn about us if we don't about ourselves. Oh, I completely agree. So, I you know, the more, we, the more tools we have, like your book and your knowledge, uh, you know, the more that we've, we've got the, the arsenal uh, in fighting for our health. And we want yes. to get to a point that it's no longer fighting for our health. It's just uh, literally living in our health. But initially, it's a fight to get onto that platform to where it just becomes you know, a first nature. Exactly. I used fight because I felt that uh, we needed to, to make sure we're, we're gathering the energy we needed yes. to do. Yeah. And we need the shift. You need to fight for that shift. And then when you get to a point where it's no longer a fight, it's just a, a state of life, a state of being. But initially, a new way. Yeah. There's always a fight against embracing a new way. But then mm -hmm. when you embrace that new way and you realize how wonderful it is in living in that new way, the fight's given up. You, you know, you're, you're where you're meant to be. But we have to fight the mind. <laughs> yes, we do. But then it's a pleasure. Then yes. it's a pleasure. Then yes. you can't imagine ever going back. Exactly. And giving up the the enjoyment and the and the relaxation and the the stress free life that you've created for yourself. I mean, you can't imagine going back and changing into the old person again. No, exactly. And why would we? Right. <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly. Do I want to go back to that person? No, definitely no. not. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the air with us, folks. And remember, this is, you know, two wonderful tools here for you to help you, uh, your loved ones, help you prevent, help you have a better um, health in your own life. And, and it really is up to you. So until next time, folks, bye for now. <laughs>